Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. Well, let's do this. We got this. We're. I looked away for one second. Okay, here we are. Okay, we're doing this. We are talking about something completely random, but not random. Because I wanted to talk about this. Hey, you know what? Most of our episodes happen because one of us wants to talk about a specific thing. So it tracks. That is true. (laughs) That is true. For anyone who thinks that there is like a devious plan that we have set into motion on why we do each episode. No, we just we just find topics we want to chat about. Which honestly, it helps us because like all of these other podcasts that we listen to that are like LDS related have a theme. They're all like, come follow me. They have a specific theme that they need to follow. And we're just like, yeah, we don't do that here. We do whatever we (laughs) want. (laughs) Honestly, where did, I think I heard it somewhere. And then I like mentioned it on Twitter or something. But like chaotic spirituality, I feel like it like is the underlying idea of this whole podcast. Because half the time, nothing makes sense, at least to me. But we're here for it. And we are just here to see what happens. We need to make merch and put chaotic spirituality <laughs> on like a mug or something. Right. On though. a shirt. Goodness. Tell us in our DMs if you'd buy it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that'd be pretty great though. So yeah, so we wanted to talk about the 13th article of faith because life has been in a bit of a tailspin lately. And as I was thinking about it, like our last couple of episodes not necessarily the back to school series which was awesome um slightly chaotic but super awesome like super great um but going back to some of our older topics we've discussed some heavier problems some complicated topics and we have discussed some much needed insights so while we've had a lot of fun doing our interviews and everything and 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 exploring like you know the world of true crime and everything we i felt that these topics are getting a little heavy and I needed to find something, a little bit of light, a little bit of hope, a little bit of peace and optimism, optimism, especially as we are prepared for a general conference, which can be a very complicated biannual event for many of us. So granted, we are recording this a couple of days before general conference, and it won't air until the Wednesday afterward, but we hope that you can take this as a way to find some sense of control and comfort while working on your faith during this conference season. So as you know, we're talking about the Articles of Faith today, more specifically, the 13th one. So this isn't a series or anything. We could revisit that sometime in the future, maybe, um, because we we all love a very good series. But I just really wanted to take the time to explore this article, uh, focus on the doctrine, how it helps us to build a foundation to our faith, helps us to stay grounded in the world going crazy around us, and ultimately gives us something to be working towards. I have been needing some hope and light in my life, reminding me why I am part of this church, why I want to be a good person, and I've been starting to figure out ways that I can do it. A few days ago, honestly, I was just trying to figure out how we're going to be going moving forward after this this last series, and I was like, we need to be doing something a little bit more uplifting because I super duper need it. I don't know if anyone else does, but I sure did. So that's why we are talking about this. Yeah, let's take this time to reset and recharge our brains, our spirits, our everything as we go into conference and as we round out our season because 
like last year, we are going to be taking off the holiday season. We want to leave you on a high note and not on a dark, depressing, I wish I were dead (laughs) kind of note. Because, I mean, the world gives us enough of those notes on a daily basis. We don't need it on our podcast, too. Um, I mean, I mean, we're not like this isn't our last episode. We've still got like five episodes to go after this, I think. Um, but we we do want to make sure that there's a level of lightness and that we're not complaining and bringing the tea on all the problems within the church. We want to discuss some really good things um, that we can take control of in our lives when everything else is insane. We'll save some of the pro- problems for season three. Hey. <laughs> coming in hot next year we thought we'd run out of taboo topics Uh uh-uh nope that is literally never going to happen more just keep popping up it's really crazy yes um but we are looking for balance more so we'll see if that happens maybe maybe not before we get started we wanted to remind you all that our podcast is now a member of the dialogue podcast network Dialogue is a collective of independent and interesting podcasts who promote thoughtful, respectful, and engaging inquiry and discussion into all aspects of the LDS tradition, thought, arts, and culture. You can support our podcast and others in the network by subscribing at dialoguejournal.com. Subscribers receive special benefits like ad-free episodes and bonus content. You can learn more at dialoguejournal.com. So let's jump into the 13th article of faith. Solid. So the 13th article of faith states, we believe in being honest, true, chaste, benevolent, virtuous, and in doing good to all men. Indeed, we may say that we follow the admonition of Paul. We believe all things. We hope all things. We have endured many things and hope to be able to endure all things. If there is anything virtuous, lovely, or of good report or praiseworthy, we seek after these things. So, from our understanding, this, as well as the other 12 articles of faith, are not considered scripture, but they are an interpretive overview of our core beliefs as provided by Joseph Smith to a newspaper in the 19th century to share a better understanding of the LDS faith as it was a new faith in that time. For reference, if y'all are new, it's in the back of the Doctrine and Covenants in every single set of scriptures that we have. So y'all can refer to that. Yeah, so following that, I did learn something very interesting because I was like, I know it's not a scripture, but is it more than just principles? Is it more than just articles? So I learned this by reading Elder L. Tom Perry's talk um, in the Ensign from May 1998 titled The Articles of Faith, where he explained how in 1851, the Articles of Faith were included in the first edition of the Pearl of Great Price published in the British Mission. After the Pearl of Great Price was revised in 1878 and canonized in 1880, the Articles of Faith became official doctrine of the church. Interesting. So that was super cool. And they were first published in 1842. So it took around 40 years to ultimately make that official doctrine. But it had been very useful um, to be able to spread the word basically in the beginning of the church. So that's pretty cool. Very interesting. So President Gordon B. Hinckley wrote an article for the Ensign in January 2000 called Fear Not to Do Good, where he said, quote, This article of faith is one of the basic declarations of our theology. 
we ought to reflect on it again and again. Then, whenever we might be tempted to do anything shoddy or dishonest or immoral, there would come into our minds with some force this great, all-encompassing statement of the ethics of our behavior, end quote. And I really like how he said that it's an all-encompassing statement of the ethics of our behavior, because if you think about what the church teaches in terms of, like, behavior and ethics and morals, it really does highlight everything. Like, that article of faith encapsulates everything that the church teaches about who we are trying to become and who we are trying to help other people become as people in the world. We are trying to promote and improve honesty, truth, virtue, acts of service, doing good. Like, we are trying to make sure that we are exemplifying those behaviors and those attributes of Christ And we are trying to make sure that those specific Christ-like attributes are being spread throughout the world. As we think about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we should be thinking that our actions, words, behaviors should reflect the principles found in the 13th article of faith as well. And if it's not reflecting that, then you need to make a change. But we'll get into that a little bit later. So let's go in to the 13th article of faith and dissect this um, bit by bit. I think we have it broken up into four parts. Yep, we split into four parts. I mean, I thought it split pretty well and evenly. So let's dive in. Let's, Let's take this bit by bit. So part one is we believe in being honest, true, chaste, benevolent, virtuous, and in doing good to all men. The moment I thought about this, it reminded me of the church questions asked in temple interviews. Like, do you strive to be honest in all that you do? And do you strive for moral cleanliness in your thoughts and behavior? Um, you do get asked in those interviews in, in order to have access to that temple recommend if you are trying and striving to be good. And it doesn't say, are you always honest? It's saying, are you striving to do good and everything? So, Which I really like. So, and I mean, you really kind of cover this already in saying like, this is what we believe in being. It is a, like a code of ethics that we are managing or trying to develop in ourselves, which I think is important. Everyone should have their own moral code if this, and hopefully this does fit into most. So I wanted to just kind of explore each of these elements. And I thought it was very interesting to see how they can come together. So like doing good to all men means accessing these attributes and being kind, forgiving, and comforting. We do good not by offering a defense or an offense, but by staying out of the war war games and violence to care for each other. When it comes to being honest, that requires us to understand ourselves and to learn about others. You can't have honest or truth if you are not if you're not educated on what the situation is on what's going on around you as well being true additionally means being true to ourselves being true to each other to our heavenly parents and to the covenants that we've made when it comes to being chaste that doesn't just mean obeying the law of chastity it also means that we don't allow pride to rule our lives we don't brag or shove anything in each other's faces It was interesting because I did explore some material on the church website and they shared a quote from Terrence D. Olson in his article, Truths of Moral Purity from October 1998 in the Ensign. And he said that chastity and fidelity begin in the spirit, not in the body. 
They are an expression of the condition of our spirit. When our spirit is in tune with godly thinking and gospel truths, we want to live high standards, and our actions reflect that desire. They express the quality of our spiritual life. Which I just really appreciated, because too often we all know chastity ends up being pointed at the women and making sure that they are being chased. Um, I just don't feel like it's always often been that directed towards men. And I feel that we focus on the physical aspect when we're not focusing enough. When we, I mean, we really should only be focusing on the spiritual because everything else will then follow. It also kind of goes with, I can't remember where it is in the Bible, but it says it's basically the Savior explaining how all things are spiritual to God. So like, even if you're trying to relate the law of chastity to just a physical level, you can't because in the Lord's eyes, the law of chastity starts in the spirit and everything is spiritual to God. I like that. I don't think that much of this spiritual aspect for myself when it comes to chastity, which means I'm not going to grow that much in that aspect. And if no one else understands it very well because we don't teach it, then I'm going to be stunted in my growth, which is on me, but also on others. And that is very disappointing. I did see a nice quote by um, President Spencer W. Kimball today in our research. I didn't write it in here. I just read it randomly. Um, But he said, you should only be making the decision to do good once. Meaning, every decision in your life should be based on the fact that you've already made the decision to do good in everything that you do in your life. And so I feel like if we're boiling it back down to the law of chastity, because that's where we're kind of stuck right now, then you should just be focusing on the fact that you have already made the decision to do what you think is best and what you know to be good and right going forward and not get into the nitty gritty of whatever the words necking and heavy petting mean. I, nobody cares about that crap. Oh. <laughs> no soaking, please. Oh, God. I'm still so mad that that one around for so long on Twitter, Tracy. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just so angry. I had to tell my sister because I was so mad. I was like, how dare they? It happens in waves. <laughs> I feel like it happened <laughs> earlier this year, too. Ugh. I, well, I was thinking, like, everyone was talking about, oh, it's cuffing season, and I remember you teaching me, and I'm just, mm, I'm fine. It's fine. I'm done. <laughs> so, yeah, chastity is a very interesting topic and should be discussed further in depth another time because I think we've already done an episode on it, but it warrants a lot of conversation because not enough of it is being properly spoken of. But moving forward. Moving forward from chastity. Also in that section, it does mention being benevolent. So being benevolent means that we are forgiving and we're giving one another the benefit of the doubt. And I like how it says online um, on the page. It's just like, it's just material that the church has put together on a page for the articles of faith. And that allows you to go further in depth on them. And on that page, it says to be benevolent is to be kind and giving in a word to do good. During his ministry, Jesus Christ went about doing good, for God was with him. As you live your life with benevolence, God will strengthen and uplift you. The last one is about being virtuous, which means that we are always striving to do our best and to live the highest moral and ethical standards. And honestly, I feel like at this point, like, 
because of how time has progressed, if we're going to talk about virtue, then we do have to quote Elena Stelton's um, talk from General Conference in 2008 when she was the Young Women's General President. Um, her talk was titled A Return to Virtue. She said, virtue is a pattern of thought and behavior based on high moral standards. It encompasses chastity and moral purity. Virtue begins in the heart and in the mind. It is the accumulation of thousands of small decisions and actions. Virtuous men and women possess a quiet dignity and inner strength. They are confident because they are worthy to receive and be guided by the Holy Ghost. I love that quote. It's a, it's, a, it's a good one. It's a good talk. I feel like this entire section, like you had mentioned earlier, is about striving. So it's not about being this 100% of the time. It's about striving for a goal. Striving for the goal of perfection like Christ. But as we've discussed before on the podcast, perfection is not something that we can truly attain in this life. However, the goal of becoming like Christ is something we should be constantly striving for and working on. The Lord knows that we won't be perfect in this effort 100% of the time. He knows that we will slip up and that it is okay. It's just our job to acknowledge the fact that we aren't perfect, that we will repent and we will commit to try again. Additionally, we can't compare our individual best with other people's best because we all have different levels of knowledge, testimony, faith, covenants made, and life experience that makes each of our spiritual journeys unique and impossible to compare. We have to remember that our level of being amazing is going to vary on so many degrees and depending on the time and seasons of our own lives as well. We can't allow ourselves to compare ourselves to other people, whether that means that we feel like we're doing better than people spiritually or we're doing worse than people spiritually. We should never think that we have all of the answers and all of the experience to make us spiritual masters and that people are beneath us in their knowledge because they don't have the same life experiences as us. And then conversely, we can't think that we don't know anything and that we are worse off than other people because we don't have certain life experiences or knowledge or backgrounds or whatever. We are all on different spiritual journeys and we're all supposed to be striving for the same goal of becoming like Christ. I love that so much. And that reminds me of this really good TikTok that I was watching the other day about this person who's talking about um, chronic illness and chronic pain and everything. And they're saying, if you live your life by... Um, just remembering your best days and you're not going to have that many because, but they were saying if we just focus on like those really, really good ones, the good days that we've had, then everything else is going to pale in comparison, but that's not our baseline. We need to stick with what our baseline is, understand that and understand what we can manage. And that way, then our best days are going to be those really, really good days that are extra, like they're extraordinary. They are out of the norm. So then our really bad days, those are out of the norm as well. And then the rest of the time, which should be the majority of the time, we are doing what we can. We are managing, we are getting by and everything, um, which is like really hit me because as someone whose depression has really sung glow lately, I was like, everything sucks. And then I was like, hey, no, like, no, like there's been some decent days. And it, it just gave me a slightly better outlook to consider because I think sometimes when we are told to be our best, we put unrealistic expectation, expectations on ourselves. And it is important to understand that we need to aspire and strive for what 
can honestly and realistically be done. And if we can ever go over that, then great. But that should not be expected or anticipated by ourselves or anyone else. Yeah. So we kind of wanted, as we explain and dig into each of these parts, we also wanted to like look for examples of where they might exist within church history or in church scripture. The main thing that I thought of was the two greatest commandments, which is, I always like butcher this, but love God and then love others as we love ourselves. Those are the two greatest commandments. When we are loving one another, then we are putting in that effort to be a good person. We are doing good. We are trying to be our best to help others. And so moments like that I find in the scriptures would be like with the Good Samaritan, with, um, I just forgot like everything. Um, But there's always some good stories. (laughs) (laughs) So like with this, what comes to my mind in this part of the article of faith is what Sister Dalton shared about how a virtuous person is made by the accumulation of thousands of actions and decisions over time. So how can we do this in our daily lives? How can we apply this part of the 13th article of faith in our lives? What are we doing every day to demonstrate our honesty and our integrity? What are we doing every day to be humble and to be submissive to the will of the Lord? How are we striving to be like Christ in every thought, word, and deed? What are we doing every day to help serve our fellow men? And this relates to pandemic times as well as pre-pandemic times. Like, how are we responding to people in our workplace that we disagree with on multiple levels? What are we doing and saying online to people who are spreading bigotry and hatred? Are we actively trying to understand the people around us that drive us crazy? Or are we quick to shut them down with a rude and snarky comment? Are we willing to listen, to uplift, and to serve the people around us, or are we going to shut them out completely and pretend they don't exist? These are all questions that we should be thinking about in terms of our Christ-like behavior, thoughts, and words in correlation with this first part of the 13th article of faith, because if we believe in being honest, true, chaste, benevolent, virtuous, and in doing good to all men, that means all people not just the people that we like, it means the people that we don't like also. Um, Those are really important questions that we could be asking ourselves on a pretty regular basis, I think. Um, Trying to think, is there anything that you, Tracy, are doing in your life right now to answer these questions? Lately, I feel like I've been trying to take better care of myself so that I can do better in taking care of others as well. The easiest thing for me to have been able to do in helping others and making sure I am still doing something is just babysitting my niece who I live with. So it's kind of expected of me, but they always make sure to ask. And I mean, I always say yes, but it's still something that we have worked out to do to try and do for one another. And I also like go grocery shopping for the house on occasion and buying everyone food. That's one of the small things that I'm trying to do to show that I do love and I care for other people. And I'm trying to do better on social media as well. Does not always work, but I am <laughs> striving. So I think the thing that comes to my mind regularly is the famous quote by Latrice Royale from RuPaul's Drag Race, which is 
Jesus is a biscuit. Let him sop you up. That's, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I know everyone's probably like, what the heck oh, are you talking about, God. Tracy? But basically what I'm thinking in terms of this is for me, like I struggle so much to like not pop off on people that aggravate the hell out of me. Y'all know this. This is not a secret, okay? And in my job, I want to pop off on multiple people <laughs> on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. But I can't do that because that would be bad. That'd be very bad. I mean, we could, but yeah. You, in those moments, I am literally saying that line by Latrice Royale. Just, Jesus is a biscuit. Let him sop you up. And I think, let oh like, just throw all of this rage yeah. and this annoyance and the aggravation on the Lord. And he will soak it up. He will stop it up. He will take it away and he will help me to not be a monster to these people. So that's, that's what I'm doing. I like it. Thank you for sharing. Words of wisdom from RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay. (laughs) Let's go to part two now. Okay. Which is indeed, we may say that we follow the admonition of Paul, which I was very curious about because I don't think I'd ever made that connection. I was like, yeah, sure. Like Paul says good things. I wasn't sure if it was anything specific. Um, Just some background. This is about the apostle Paul, formerly Saul, who wrote some of the pretty sweet scriptures in the New Testament. Um, So some of his stuff, what is pretty controversial today, just like it was controversial back then. A lot of his works were scriptures that he would be sending off to people um, because it tended to be, they'd be letters to other um, cities. And so this particular reference um, that Joseph Smith is talking about is found in Philippians Chapter 4, verse 8. That is part of a letter from the Apostle Paul. Timothy is added on the name, but I think his, but from what I've understood, his name is just like on it to be like honorable, but like he didn't really write anything. So Apostle Paul wrote to the saints in Philippi. So just for reference, the present municipality is located near the ruins of the ancient city and it's part of the region of East Macedonia and Thrace in Kavala, which is in Greece. And he wrote this when he was in prison. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 reads, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Sounds a little familiar, doesn't it, Tracy? We plagiarized that. What the heck? Totally plagiarized it. It's a, it's a knockoff. <laughs> so I was kind of expecting like something like really cool from Paul. Um, but it's it's just Joseph saying like, I'm saying these with purpose because Paul said it, essentially. I also want to follow that up with some cool information that I found on BibleScripture.net. So this is one of Paul's five captivity letters that includes Ephesians, Colossians, 2 Timothy, and Philemon in the New Testament. So this particular letter to the Christians at Philippi was written while he was in prison. And a lot of it was referring to his imprisonment and trying to give everyone else hope while he himself was in jail. Most likely this was written between AD 60 and 62. 
And so even though it was written while he was in prison, this particular letter has been described by scholars as some of the happiest of his writings. Um, Throughout the various chapters, Paul expressed gratitude, love, and confidence to church members. He described sacrifices he made to follow Jesus Christ and instructed, as we can see, the Philippian saints in principles of righteous living, which is what we believe in, righteous living. So Paul says, by living these principles, we can have a righteous life. Paul says that, and Joseph Smith just kind of like rewrote it, wrote his name on it, and called it good, and was like, yes, of course, we believe in doing that. Um, What Joseph Smith then here kind of did is made sure that the world knew that we had a connection to the beginning of Christianity, which, I mean, when I think back, it was kind of necessary because it was it was considered such a new religion, and everyone was like, what the heck are you guys, why are you caring about these golden plates and everything and joseph smith had to make sure that he was able to tie in that connection say yes jesus christ yes we do believe in the holy bible and so he made that connection i think it's pretty cool but like i also feel like it's like a little bit of a cheap shot um but it works it works because it is valuable information he just wanted to make sure that those attributes were included which we do like we use those attributes most of them in like our youth programs to try and instill good values and principles into everyone as we get older like some of those are some of the virtues that we talk about talked about in young women's for example that is very true yeah there's not a lot to add in this following section of like examples throughout the scriptures or anything because that's just kind of referencing what we already talked about So how can we be or do or show this within our lives? So here, Paul is asking us to think on things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtue, and of praise. This follows the concept, to me and my viewpoint at least, this follows the concept of you are what you eat, and you are the amalgamation of your five closest friends. We've always heard that kind of stuff, like, Everything that you put into your life is what you become. We choose daily what we listen to, what we watch, who we talk to for the most part, and so on. And so what Paul is trying to make sure to to say here is that we're invited to take some action and be proactive in our lives and making sure that we are doing, that we are part of the good things in this life, that we are invited to seek truth and seek goodness for ourselves and for other people. So I love that it is reiterated here with Paul and with Joseph Smith that we do seek truth, that we do seek what is just and justice, um, and we seek to be honest. The thing with those is that, and this is still like hard for me to still comprehend sometimes, but truth, we've, we've talked about this. We've talked about truth in an earlier episode where truth may not always be the same truth for everyone else. It is truth, like we can be honest, but a lot of things are still up for personal interpretation. And it's going to vary for people. Where some of us are going to believe that the church has the truth, that has enough truth, that has all the truth. And other people are not going to believe that. And that's all up to us and the revelation that we have in our lives and our own life experiences. I thought most of the time when I was growing up that there was only one right way to do anything, one truth, that it was black and white enough that I need to stay on only one path throughout my life. That basically guaranteed me to fail as much as possible. Um, So it's very much been a learning process. And especially with this podcast and all my friends these days, like 
I've been learning so much from them because they have so many insights like Tracy um, that have opened my eyes and have opened my art, my heart to better understand the revelation that I've received, to better receive revelation and to find the truth that is within my own, my own life and my own experience. Cause it's going to be different for people. Yeah, that's really it. All right. So let's move on to part three. So part three of the 13th article of faith is we believe all things, we hope all things, we have endured many things and hope to be able to endure all things. Essentially, it means believe in Christ, believe and hope that he will help us and trust that he will guide us as we endure to the end. Enduring to the end is not just a motto that we use in the LDS faith, but it's used throughout Christianity as well. Elder Claudio Zivic of the 70s shared, quote, to endure means to remain firm in a commitment to be true to the commandments of God despite temptation, opposition, and adversity, end quote. And then Elder Richard J. Maines of the 70s said, quote, as we temporarily endure the challenges we can solve, and as we continue to endure the challenges we cannot solve, it is important to remember that the spiritual strength we develop will help us successfully endure all the challenges we face in life, end quote. From these two quotes, we can gather that as we work with the Savior to endure and to overcome the challenges that we face in life, the Lord will strengthen us and he will increase our patience and our capacity to bear the burdens that we are given. And it's not just that we have to believe and hope and blindly believe and hope that things will work out but we have to be actually doing something in the process. And so prayer is that point that plays that vital part in this process, that we use prayer and we use other habits like scripture study and going to church and like keeping the commandments and stuff like that to help us continue to endure through the good and the bad times in our lives because enduring is a continual process that keeps us moving forward. It's not just a one and done sort of situation. So examples of this principle in church history and in church structure, literally, if you look at every single sacrament talk that you've ever heard in your life or every pioneer story that's ever been retold or read or anything shared, everything points to endure to the end. Everything. Oh my goodness. Yes. We are a long suffering kind of people. Literally, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, everything that Kaylee and I have shared over the last almost two years reflects that as well. So, (laughs) yes, there's your example, friends. But getting more specific, um, examples in church history and in like scriptures that relate to this, I really like the example of the Savior speaking to his disciples at Capernaum in John chapter 6. At this time, many of his disciples who had once followed him very closely basically turned their backs on the Savior and they walked away with him or walked away from him. Um, And they weren't going to follow him anymore. And then in verse 67, it says, quote, Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? End quote. This is where Peter says the famous words, quote, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, end quote. And in this moment, the Savior is teaching the disciples and all of us by extension the importance of enduring to the end. 
and not just surviving to the end, but in holding tight to your covenants and to your testimony and moving forward faithfully with the Savior to the end. Yes, we all know that there there was this one example in a talk that I read that I really don't like, but I'm going to share it anyways because I feel like it's important. One of the apostles said, when we think about enduring to the end, we often think of our friends who once had very strong spiritual experiences and subsequently left the church. And we think to ourselves, I don't want to become like them. And I didn't like that example because it's very unfair and it's very critical of people who choose not to stay in the church. We don't get to dictate why people choose to leave and why people choose to stay. The only thing that we should be saying is that we understand that everyone's spiritual journey is their own. Holding tight to your covenants and holding tight to your testimony looks differently for everyone. And so that example of this person once had such spiritual experiences and now they left the church, I never want to become like that. That is definitely not what the Savior is trying to teach us. (laughs) That's hurtful and very invalidating. Because you're not you're not treating them with the res- with the same respect. Granted, I I remember being that kind of person, and I remember thinking like I will lose my friends if they leave the church because I can never be friends with them. That is not the case. That should never be the case. Honestly, you shouldn't be so heavily reliant on a church culture where you can't keep your friends no matter their beliefs. It is a beautiful thing to be able to have friends who are in different faiths, to have people who are very different from you, because you are going to learn and grow so much more as a person when you do that. I mean, you'll still grow. You can still be a great person and have friends in the same faith. Clearly, like it's possible. But to discount people who leave, is just so hurtful. And it makes it sound more like a cult. Exactly. I feel like if we're thinking about holding tight to our covenants and our testimony and enduring to the end and moving forward with the Savior... It looks differently than you think it does because we know that there are times when our testimonies and our spiritual levels are high and they are strong and we are on top of the world. And then there are times when our spirituality and our testimonies are like in the pit of despair and they are rock bottom and you don't think they could get any worse. Our spiritual journey is not linear. Our spiritual growth is not linear. It doesn't go in an upward trajectory all the time. It's more like a roller coaster. Like it'll go up, it'll go down, it'll twist around, it'll loop upside down, upside down. go back. Like <laughs> it goes all over the place. Yeah. Might shake a little bit. Like, and that's okay. The Lord knows that that's how our spiritual growth is going to be like in this life. That's why we have the atonement. That's why we have the gospel of Jesus Christ, because he just wants us to keep going. He doesn't care if we're in the like upside down phase of our roller coaster of a spiritual journey. He doesn't care. He just expects us to stay in. Don't unbuckle, please. <laughs> he expects us to keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times, stay buckled in and just like keep going. Like just push through. It'll get better. Like you'll come out of the twist. You'll come out of the corkscrew. You'll come out of the backwards point and you'll see him. We just need to have hope in him. We need to hope in his promise that he will never leave us or abandon us. And we need to keep moving forward. And that's how we will ultimately be able to endure all things. Like it says in this 
article of faith. So there are always things that we can do, as Tracy was saying. So Elder Zivik suggests five habits that will help us as we strive to endure to the end. He said, I suggest a formula that will help us to endure to the end. He said to, to daily pray and read the scriptures. Weekly, partake of the sacrament with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Pay our tithing and our monthly fast offering. Every two years, every year for the youth, renew our temple recommends. Throughout our whole lives, serve in the work of the Lord. These options may not be possible or reasonable to everyone in their certain situations at this time um, due to personal situations or due to the pandemic. But if you can't do all these five things, you can at least do a few of them. And that is still something that you can be doing. And one thing that I've been thinking about lately is how when I'm at my lowest is when I try to take on all the new habits and try all the new fads um, to see if that will help me feel better. But it's important to not do that. That's never the best time to do anything. What you need to do is before you get into those kind of situations, and like Tracy said before, to have is to have those answers, to have those habits in place for you when things do change, whether they go up or they go down, you can be prepared. It's always a good idea to have habits set up to take care of ourselves. So for example, if you deal with mental illness, you may already have some know some ways regarding how to help yourself when times do get tough, like going to your therapist, eating ice or sour candy for panic attacks, and so on. So depending on where you are at your life, you can be doing things for your mental health, for your spiritual health, and so on. And so we encourage you to develop something or other that will work for you. I think what you said about trying to do all of the good habits at once to see if they'll work is so relatable. I feel like when I am in those moments of like, okay, I just got to power through this. What are some ways that I can power through? It's like we're putting all of the, <laughs> it's like we're, <laughs> we're trying to de-stress ourselves by laying in like all the lavender scented products and then having like face masks on us and like soothing sounds around us and like, and it becomes overwhelming. Yeah, it just becomes too much. So I feel like try one thing at a time, like try one thing consistently for a month and see if that makes things better. If it doesn't, okay, you tried it for a month, it didn't work. Try something else the next month, but don't feel like you have to solve the problem immediately. Just test little things like day by day and see what helps you. Example, because I feel like this is what your question was, which I feel like your question was, what are you doing to like help you endure? Yes, Tracy. I knew Tell it. Tell us. <laughs> can read your mind. Hey. I started yes, yeah. going on walks every single morning before work because I realized during my job that I had a lot of anxious, pent-up aggression and pent-up energy that like I could not burn off. And so I would be anxious in the morning before I start work and then I would go to bed and I would stay up like three extra hours past when I was supposed to be asleep just because I was so anxious and I couldn't calm down. And so it was just this vicious cycle of me being anxious all the time. I decided to start doing walks early in the morning so I disciplined myself to get up at like 6.45 every day and to start going on a 30-minute walk every day. I mean, I would wake up at 6.45, but I wouldn't get out of bed until like 7.15. So I'm like, awake? That's like half the battle. I feel like that's fine. 
And as I started doing that, I started noticing that my anxiety levels were coming down significantly. Like I could actually get up in the morning, function like a normal person and go to bed and sleep like a normal person. And I didn't have this frustrated, anxious, annoyed energy every single day. And because I was consistently making that effort to go on these walks, I saw the improvement happen. Now, that's just something that worked for me. I'm not saying that like going on a walk will solve everyone's problems, but that's what ended up working for me because I saw the correlation between my energy and the physical stuff and I needed to do that. And it's made a change and it's made a difference for me. But I feel like we all just need to try and find something that will help us endure a little bit longer and help us to make bridge that gap of where we're struggling and make it easier for us to overcome that struggle. Agreed. Amen to that. I love that. It's something that I always try to do but and hang on to those type of good habits. I mean, they're they're really good to have. They help you function. They help you be yourself. They help you get rid of that anxiety and better self-manage your emotions and everything. And when I get to my lowest lows, I have the hardest time keeping to those. But if I'm going to do anything, it does tend to be those. So for me, that was starting like a, a skincare regimen that was making sure I'm taking showers still during the week. Um, like maybe not as frequent as I should, but like I was still trying to do something as well as like putting on new clothes for the day. Like just that small thing has helped me like just pick myself up a little bit more each day. And so I think it's definitely going to vary per person. Uh, But I do think it's really healthy to have a few of those personally, at least in different areas of your life, such as like physical health. So like you're doing your walks, mental health. Like I make sure I do an evening prayer every night to help me better sleep. And then like, I still try to drink water as often as possible. I don't, I haven't been doing my best, but I've definitely improved over the last couple of months. So like, it's not always going to be perfect, but as long as you're trying a little bit every day to do something, be, continually doing these things, is going to help us out so much. It's going to help us keep to keep moving forward. It's going to help us to endure to the end. Honestly, Kaylee, you have improved a lot with the water because you used to drink like eight ounces of water per day. Thank you. Yes. And I've seen you with that gigantic jug of water and you are improving. So kudos to you. Improvement. Thank you for noticing. It is so hard, but it is also so very good for me. So yeah. (laughs) Yes, it is. All right. So let's jump into part four. The last part of this article of faith. It is, if there is anything virtuous, lovely, or of good report or praiseworthy, we seek after these things. So what does this mean, Kaylee? <laughs> um, so while I was looking on the church website, looking to get more information on all these aspects, this did specifically suggest that we should read the entertainment and media section in For the Strength of Youth on that page 17. Blech. And so it says like, hey, is the entertainment you choose consistent with these standards and with the 13th article of faith? Consider writing in your journal about how you have been blessed to make good media choices. We could dive in and we could read that section, but we're not going to because the first strength of youth is terribly outdated and not helpful. And we don't agree with that because scary movies make us both happy. Like, <laughs> yeah. If we tell the prophet that, he's going to disagree with us. That's true. In my research, I found a talk from April 1998 General Conference by President James E. Faust. Um, it's called, We Seek After These Things. And he said, quote, 
We do not seek a veneer painted on by a worldly brush, but the pure innate beauty that God has planted in our souls. We should seek after those things that endow higher thoughts and finer impulses, end quote. And so I really liked this interpretation of what seeking after these things means because it makes me think that we should be seeking after things that will nourish our minds, souls, and spirits instead of just our immediate desires. Nourish is a good word. Right? I love it. Instead of thinking about like, is your entertainment bringing you closer to Jesus? Like instead of thinking that, because honestly, like, Leave me, leave me in my serial killer documentaries alone. Like, leave me in peace. I think anything that has the innate beauty of God, like nature, music, literature, the arts, etc., those things that truly help us develop our Christ-like attributes of knowledge, divine nature, integrity, obedience, humility, and more. Those are the things that we need to be seeking after diligently because those are the things that are going to help us grow closer to the Savior and are the things that will nourish us. What are those things that you should be seeking after? Are they the things that nourish your core or are they the things that will just gratify you immediately? That is a very interesting way to look at it because at first, like when I first think about it, then I just, I go to that that typical Molly Mormon picture of like the early 2000s of everyone in Utah with the bejeweled jeans, with the puffy blonde hair and everything, <laughs> the cap sleeves, you know it. We all know it. All those layered tank tops on top of the cap sleeves. Like I just think about that image that we all tried to portray that so many portray- tried to portray and by saying like, yes, I am dressing modestly. Yes. I am only eating vegetables this week. Yes. I'm doing this. Yes. I'm doing that. Like I am a good person and you can see it. And so it, to me, a, a lot of the LDS culture has been about making sure everybody else knows that we are good and not so much on, I know I'm good. And this is how I interpret that in my life with others. So as you're talking, I was like, okay, if do only these things that everyone talks about already, um, is everything in Deseret Book the only things that's going to nourish my soul, basically? That was one of my thoughts. And then I was like, no. I went in there today and I was like, I don't want to be seeing that book right now. I don't need that. That's, that is not making me feel happy. That is not nourishing my soul right now. And that's okay. Whereas there's that one account. What is it? I think it's like Sluts for Halloween on Instagram. That could be the wrong name. I don't know. But I found it. And it brought so much peace to my soul. There are no words for it. It was super silly. It was super goofy. It was super, like, it was just super fun. They were, like, listening to horror movies. They had super fun pictures. I adore Halloween. I always have. My little brother told me when we were very, like, 10 plus years ago, he's like, hey, if we all got a bigger on heaven, Kaylee's would look like Halloween. And he is totally not wrong. That nourishes my soul. I love spooky season. That is when I come to life. It has been spooky (laughs) season for me since August. Okay. (laughs) Like I live for this stuff and it makes me happy. It makes me feel like who I am. It makes me see different ways of seeing the world. I do see the beauty in it and it makes me happy. Like that is one way that I can nourish my soul. I'm not going to find any of that stuff in Desert Book. And I'm not going to find that necessarily inside a church house. Um, Even though we totally should decorate for Holland because that would be fun. But I respect that we don't. 
And we're all going to have different ways of interpreting what nurtures our souls because we're the ones who really know our souls. That's the point I wanted to get across. Yeah, I think that's important to get across. I know we always like set up the savior on a pedestal and we're like, okay, he's perfect. He's our big brother. He died for us. Like all these things, we have to come to him. But there's also going to be that place where like we know where to find him and he's going to be where we can be in ways as well. And he's not going to just stand on the other side of the glass, I think, when I'm in Spirit Halloween. I think if I have him in my heart, if I have, like, good intentions, if I have love in my heart, he can be with me there. Like, I know, it's super goofy, but, like, I don't think we need to be, like, be limiting things so much. And I feel like we do that. I don't know if it's just, like, Utah's getting to me, but that's on my mind now. So he's you're with welcome. you in the mask section <laughs> where you see the Michael is. Myers mask and the Jason Voorhees mask. Oh, he's with you. Goodness. He's he with you in with Spirit me. Halloween. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think it's important that you shared that because. I really like how you said he's not just on the other side of the glass while I'm inside Spirit Halloween because the Savior comes to where we are in all things. If we are willing to turn to him, he will meet us where we are. So like if we want to be seeking after the Savior or if we want to look for him and we are not in the stereotypical cookie cutter format of in a church building or in a temple or in a, you know, wherever you might be that you think is a holy place, the Lord's still going to come to you even if you're in like the middle of a spirit Halloween and you're turning to him. Like he's going to meet you there. That's what he does. He comes to where you are. He comes to you as you are. I think as we think about the virtuous, lovely of good report, praiseworthy, whatever, we seek after those things. Yes, seek after the things that nourish your soul, that nourish you as a person, but also don't beat yourself up over the fact that you're, the things that nourish your soul are not the same things that like, I'm not making sense right now. I went on a different tangent. No, you, you no, no, I, I think I get what you're saying. You're, we're all going to find him in different places. Yes. Because we are all different. Yes. Um, because Yes, back when one of my friends was still in the church, she would talk about how hiking always made her feel very spiritual. She's a very outside person. She's very outdoorsy. Like I can't, I can't compete with her. Like I can't, I can't go on hikes with her because she will disappear on me. She'll go back and forth ten times before I make it to the top. And she always found peace and spirituality there that worked for her. That does not always work for me. Some people find it at the beach, for example. I never found it at the beach. We're all, yeah, we're always going to find it in different places. Some people are not going to feel it at church all the time. I think it also comes back to episode 64 of our By Their Fruits You Shall Know Them, um, where we talked about finding and utilizing good resources. The things that we use to learn, to nourish our souls, whatever, They should be things that have correct information and provide those feelings that are similar to the fruits of the Spirit, which we know from Galatians 5, 22 and 23 are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, 
meekness, and temperance. So when we had this discussion in episode 64, we said that we needed to judge wisely. And honestly, after today's discussion, if we want to truly judge wisely, we need to consider the 13th article of faith and how it says that seeking after these things that are virtuous, lovely, of good report, or praiseworthy, those things that, again, nourish our soul, those things that bring us closer to the Savior, the things that help us to feel good, like, and not just the temporary good, but the long-lasting good, the kind of good that doesn't disappear when your mood suddenly changes, the kind of good that you will consistently have because you know that you are doing what the Lord would have you do with your life at this specific point in your life. Yes, I really like that. Like, honestly, I'm at the point where I'm like trying to work on myself so much that I know I'm not in any place to judge. And if you feel that you're in a place where you can, then you need you need to make sure that you are doing all these things. That is the only way. Honestly, I think we've had a hard time like finding the right kind of scriptural examples for this specifically. But honestly, if you just look at the Savior and all that he did, and all the disciples and how they were following him so that they could learn, so they could try to do more, so that they could learn how to be better and to find the truth. I, those are perfect examples for us to be trying to follow and to learn from to see how we can do something like that in our own lives. Mm-hmm. So to wrap up this whole huge discussion about the 13th article of faith, we have been very candid over the last almost two years of our podcast about how much we struggle with our own testimonies and our faith, especially when we both, Kaylee and I, we are speaking for ourselves, not everyone. No. When the two of us feel like people of the church make things so much more complicated than they need to be. We know that you all have seen the increase of bigotry and hatred and violent rhetoric being used by members of the church on social media with movements like Deseret Nationalism or the Desnats, if you are more familiar with that. It feels like things have gotten harder and tensions have gotten higher because of these kind of groups. However, we know that that is not what the gospel or the church is supposed to be. We know that the core beliefs in the doctrines of the gospel of Jesus Christ do not match or reflect what those groups are projecting. If we want to grow as a faith community and if we want to become the disciples of Jesus Christ that we are supposed to become, then we need to disavow actions, thoughts, and groups that are not in harmony with the teaching of, quote, if there is anything virtuous, lovely, of good report, or praiseworthy, end quote. That is what our focus needs to be because those are the type of people that we need to be working on becoming, not this other insane group. I I love that. I mean, as much as we do complain sometimes, we have definitely tried hard to keep ourselves from holding on to hatred or pain. Um, As hate hate groups have been on the rise, we are trying to make sure that we stay away from them, that we are learning to do what we can to protect ourselves as well as each other and those around us because... If we want to be disciples of Christ, we need to be focusing on love um, and kindness more than anything else. And so I wanted, I want to share one more quote from L. Tom Perry's 1998 article. And because he ended his piece with this message, he said, I encourage each of you to study the articles of faith and the doctrines that they teach. They are referencing the church history in the fullness of times 
They are one of the most important statements of inspiration, history, and doctrine for the church. Each article is a positive statement explaining the differences between Mormonism and the beliefs of other, peop of other peoples in the world. If you will use them as a guide to direct your studies of the Savior's doctrine, you will find yourselves prepared to declare your witness of the restored true church of the Lord. You will be able to declare with conviction, we believe these things. And as you do that, you're going to be able to be that person that you're striving to be, to be closer to our Heavenly Parents, to be closer to Jesus Christ. These words, these beliefs, and these teachings about our gospel are what can help us stay grounded. These are the things that we constantly come back to in our conversations here about our testimonies because we know that the gospel is true. We know the teachings of Christ are meant to bring us closer together as children of God and closer to our Heavenly Parents. Times are hard for members of the church and seemingly even harder for more liberal members of the church. You can see that anywhere you look. There's been some great articles about that recently, and you can see how much more tension and uncertainty there is between people. And I've seen a lot of people recently leave the church because of so many hardships that they are facing. It is not an easy time to be alive. It is not an easy time to be a member. It is not an easy time to be anything in this world, it seems. Um, but as we focus on these articles of faith and focus on our testimonies, we can look for ways to continuously hold on to that hope and hold on to that love. We can testify that as we continue to ground ourselves in the gospel of Christ, we will be able to find and see those things that are virtuous, lovely, of good report, and praiseworthy. So we just wanted to wrap up this episode by giving you that little piece of hope that, you know, if nobody else around you is feeling this way about the church and about the gospel in general, then know that at least there are two people that feel this way that can empathize with you and talk with you about this situation. We created this podcast because people weren't having these conversations at church and we couldn't find someone to talk to about these things until we found each other and our little group of people in Orlando. And so we want to give people this opportunity to have this kind of community to talk about these hard topics and to say like, I'm struggling with my testimony because people are freaking insane and I can't handle them anymore. That's okay. We're there. We get it. Do with this information in this episode as you will. Take it, think about it, ponder it. If nothing else, just let it be that moment of relief of knowing that you are being heard, you're understood, and that people are going through the same thing that you're going through at this time. Take it as that transition phase into general conference where you can breathe for a second and know that, yes, conference is going to be wild. That's all. <laughs> That's all I got right now. We don't know what's coming. It's still nope. two days away well, for then, us. <laughs> I know, but then everyone listening to this is going to be like, yeah, like, oh. so. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we are, take take this as a message from the past. Um, <laughs> the past <laughs> Goodness. Conference weekend is going to be challenging. 
it is going to be challenging for us. I was just telling Kaylee before we recorded that my whole point of fasting this month was that I would be able to hear the Savior's voice during conference this week because I've got a lot of issues with the church right now and listening to prophets and apostles is not necessarily going to help that and help those issues. So just know that like we support you. We are here for you guys. Our DMs are open if you want to talk and vent about it. Yes. So yeah, this episode was really about sharing that message to know that to help you know that you're definitely not alone and to remember that there is hope and love out in the world, even though it is very hard to feel like it is there sometimes. So we felt like the 13th article of faith is very representative of that and representative of the light of Christ. And then next week is going to be our general conference review. So join us as we discuss as much of conference as we were able to make it through. (laughs) Before we wrap up today, we wanted to remind you again that Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward is now part of the Dialogue Podcast Network. So you can support our podcast and other incredible podcasts like Beyond the Block, Face and Hat, Strangers No More, Holy Human, and many others by subscribing today at dialoguejournal.com slash podcast network. Subscribers receive special benefits like ad-free episodes and bonus content. So learn more about these podcasts and more at dialoguejournal.com slash podcast network. So yeah, thanks for joining us this week, guys. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Bye.